This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. It's 2 p.m. in Memphis. Giannato and Jeffrey time. Get off the fence. Live on Memphis's sports station. 92.9 FM ESPN. Welcome, welcome, welcome to the Giannato and Jeffrey show. Coming to you live from Memphis, Tennessee. My name is Jeffrey Wright. You can follow me on Twitter at JWright929ESPN. Dennis Fuller's producing the program. Glad he is with us. Sitting across from me, the Commercial Appeals lead sports columnist. The lead sports columnist, the number one sports section in the state of Tennessee. Top three sports columnists in the state of Tennessee. Barely. Tied for eighth, best sports columnist in the United States of America. He's on Twitter at MGNato. Mark, good day, sir. Happy Valentine's Day. Still got some time to go pick up some flowers and candy if you haven't already. I did that between shows. For your significant other. I don't think they run out on Valentine's Day. I can tell you this. uh, Denstrels in Laurelwood, well stocked. Well stocked? Well stocked. Okay, there we go. They even have stuffed animals. Can Uh, confirm. um, But, uh, you know, hey, it's it's not a holiday I particularly look forward to. Um, but my wife takes it seriously, so uh, that's, that's, therefore I got to take it seriously. That's, that's also a tough scene because mm. we've talked about on the show we can't win Valentine's Day. You can just, you're just hope. Yeah. You're hoping for a push. Like, that's all you're hoping for. But also we need to get on the horn with the commish. This BS of the Super Bowl, mm-hmm. and we only have like 36 hours to get ready for Valentine's <laughs> Day. That is, we got to do something. That's how you're supposed that. to take Monday off. But Let's I mean, take Monday off. And I've seen they the, say the super the day after the Super Bowl is like a, you know well, ni- nineteen million people. I think I saw in some newscast uh, an estimated nineteen million people are going to take the day off the day after the Super Bowl. It's the most you know like the day on the calendar when more people take the day off than any other. More uh, flu like symptoms on the Monday after yeah. the Super Bowl. That was always my favorite. Remember when Tim Linscombe? It was the All Star Game in New York, and Tim Linscombe was supposed to start, and he. Didn't start the All Star game because of flu like symptoms. It's mm. like, we know what you did, buddy. <laughs> we know what happened. We, there. we know what happened. But no, the, do you see the the heroes from Memphis in the, I don't know if it's the state senate or the state house that have proposed getting rid of Columbus Day and making Super Bowl what? Monday a holiday? Uh, yeah, I'd be okay with that. I'd trade that. I mean, we don't get either of them off. Well, I don't think, I don't think they call it Columbus Day anymore. I think it's still technically Columbus Day. Whatever they did, the National Indigenous Peoples Day never really caught fire. Yeah, well, it's just a good, we we don't want to. We've decided we don't want to celebrate Columbus as much anymore because he was had some had some some bad history that got kind of glossed over for a while there. I never really thought that was the argument. I thought the argument was uh, because of it's, what cause happened. Yeah, but he like it, yeah, that's what I mean. Like with Native Americans, I mean, he just sailed over fun. three with three ships. Yeah, but he like but my, slaughtered Native Americans. My so. deal was if you want to, if you really want to go after Columbus, why did we celebrate the fact that he was trying to get to India? <laughs> yeah, that that was the one that always got me. It's like, <laughs> what really? We're gonna celebrate him for being wrong? Like he? Well, I would take a holiday after the Super well, Bowl. That's one of the Cartmans. Yeah, we can't get rid of Columbus Day with just three ships he sailed over, so that we could have some me time in October. To get a day off school. Yeah, that's true. Well, uh, it's Tuesday, and it's Valentine's Day, but it's also a tell the truth day. Mm-hmm. Not to your wife, maybe necessarily. Just t- tell telling the truth about sports. Um, <laughs> I can tell also. Pro tip out there for for those of you, you single lads that maybe one day want to get married. If you set the bar so incredibly low that she has no expectations of ever being surprised, mm. and you show up with some dentsels and a stuffed bear. She was pretty happy. 
Mm-hmm. Big win. That is true. Key to a healthy marriage. Yeah, I'm not set, sure, but set it. No, set the bar really low. <laughs> um, it's tell the truth Tuesday. Tim Murray's going to join us at 2:40 or so. We'll get his thoughts on college basketball, NFL, lots of stuff going on post Super Bowl. Uh, Three o'clock. We will get into the list. Tiger Woods. We had another Tiger Woods sighting, Jeffrey, and this one was like actually kind of uh, really interesting. Like Tiger's actions over the last week or so, we've seen a more active Tiger. It appears, or someone Tiger being Tiger thinking in a more active mindset than we have in a few years since pre car accident. I think that's fair. Like he's. It, and this latest development shows like he's got some he's got bigger plans in mind for this season than maybe last season. I think that's more than fair. I would also argue his actions have made me recalibrate. Like honestly, I was thinking any any tournament we get with him, we decided what didn't we decide December is Tiger was going to be Tiger yeah, month. Father father son because he wasn't moving great. Yeah. No, he didn't look great in the father son yeah. thing. But I, he is planning on – he's going to play a limited schedule. Yes. But let's be real. We only care about majors for him, so mm-hmm. it doesn't matter. Like, whether or not he plays this week – by the way, just good to have him back. That's mm-hmm. the refrain you got to say. It's yes. just good to have him back. No expectations. But I don't, I don't care. Yeah. No, we'll get into it in I'm, the list. I'm, I'm just pumped to have him back. Content galore. Also, the Eagles have now lost both their coordinators since the them. Super Bowl. I hate that for him. Uh, oh. NBC trying to get back the M- NBA rights. Lot to, lots to get to. Uh, in the list, and uh, then we'll wrap things up. It's 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 kind of you know maybe the sports gods are looking at us. You know th- th- this is if there's going to be a day where you have to focus on things other than sports, which sometimes you have to do on Valentine's Day. At least at least the sports gods have blessed us with a you know like a calendar that's kind of oh, sparse right now. They took the Super Bowl the week after the Super. You know, like every football writer or whoever takes like this whole week off. Mm-hmm. I think the whole country looked you know, like Grizzlies that. play yeah. tomorrow. Tigers play Thursday. Then the Grizzlies are going on All Star break. It's you know it's it's kind of a it's a slow time. And then you know pick you know right when March kicks in we pick up again. I, I told you mm-hmm. if you ever go to rehab, this is the month. <laughs> I stand by post Super Bowl. Yeah, the problem is they now that the commish added an extra week to mm-hmm. the schedule. Yeah, it used to be like Feb- you know that first week in February. Just say goodbye on Monday. Mm-hmm. And then we'll see at the end of the month, but now they it's now extended to like halfway through. Like we're halfway through February. Yeah, February fourteenth. Yeah. Um, all right. So I'm going to tell the truth. Let's start. Right. I'm going to give you a little Grizzlies truth here to start. All right. Let's hear. Okay. It. Um, I know they play Wednesday tomorrow against the Utah Jazz, their last game before the All Star break. Um, but I've started already looking past the All Star break, like. I'm interested in the All-Star game. Like, I'm interested to see what Ja does and Jaren, what, what Ja and Jaren do in the All-Star game. But, like, really, I'm looking ahead to, like, post-All-Star break at this point. And, and let's be the clear. The stretch run of the season. Let's be clear. When we say we're interested, it's only from, like, a curiosity. This is not – I'm sorry. It, it's not an appointment viewing. I'm curious to know, like, what their role is. Like, are they Honestly, gonna get, like, I'm more interested in what, what does Ja say Saturday – at his available, like there's a sure. every player is available exactly. on Saturday, and the entire NBA media world is there. What is Ja gonna say during that session? Because yeah. I think he's gonna say a few things that are gonna well, and th- this is gain some steam, if you will. Well, and further, this is Ja with the NBA consigliere, like all the 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 mm-hmm. guys that you know. Well, he's gonna get a lot. I mean, he's gonna get a lot of fine in the West questions. That's you know, I'm- it's gonna happen. Um, he's going to, you know, he's going to, and he already got it in Boston when he was there this weekend. He, some, uh, Kari Thompson actually, uh, who works oh, for, shout, the, out to, shout out to Kari. Yeah, he works for Boston.com, the Boston Globe website. And, uh, he asked Ja, he's a former CA writer. He asked Ja about the comments in Boston, like the fine in the West stuff. And you know, like it's going to come up again at the all-star game and you know, Ja's a guy who creates headlines. It is a fair question, obviously. At the same time, though, if you're in mostly Bo- good ways, if you're Boston, though, isn't that the ultimate tip of the cap? Like, I can see other, I can see other teams being upset, but if you're Boston, aren't you kind of like, thank you? Well, I think the at this point, to me, 
it's a good in a way because it's kind of starting to feel like overkill. Like everyone is just hammering Ja on the fine in the West stuff. And like, it's fine. He deserves it. He, you know, like I was critical in the moment of him saying that. But like at this point, so many people have done it, it feels like. I do think we are going to reach a saturation point. And just as, you know, Ja, ja in some ways got built up and has been taken down a notch in some people's minds because of whatever their perception of the Grizzlies, particularly this season, we could also see something where we reach a point where he, you know, like very easily could become a sympathetic figure again. Not this year. Probably not. They've been cast as like no, because here, here would be my argument at this point. While there's definitely clearly like a piling on mm-hmm. when you were watching the game on Sunday with the pregame and whatnot, the comments just felt like overkill, and it almost felt like the remember when we were in college and every joke was just make fun of Nickelback. Mm-hmm. It's kind of getting to like that level, but think about it in these terms. As soon as the Grizzlies get knocked out, that those comments are going to get played. It, he's going to have to deal with it through this year. Yeah. I think so. I think you're right. And then... Because I can also tell you this. When they play on ESPN or ABC, uh, yeah. they seem to be replaying replaying that quite a bit. Yeah. No, I think that's right. But I, I mentioned it yesterday on yesterday's show. And um, looking at the schedule coming out of the All-Star break, it is... And this is this is one of my truths today. Those 10 games after the All-Star break, to me, are going to be telling. They're going to tell us whether this team is actually going to contend for a title this year. Because if they play well in those games, I think it's going to be... I, I think if they... I would say this. If they play poorly in those games, they continue to struggle against the, the best teams. Because, again, this is the schedule. We said it yesterday. At Philly on national TV to start, then Denver at home, Lakers at home, then a road trip at Houston, at Denver at Clippers, at Lakers, Uh then Warriors at home, then Mavs, Dallas at home, and then Dallas on the road, and then the Heat on the road. That's how you come out of the All-Star break. If they're not, like, 500 or better during that stretch, like, I'm not saying they're not going to make the playoffs or anything like that, even if they they went 3-7, and like, which is what they are the past 10. But to me, it's just not going to be a good sign that you are a true contender. If you, you know, if cuz this like essentially you got it, let, let's say even if you don't count the Lakers as a good team and I would count them as like a tough team. Like basically you have a game against the Rockets. That's it. Everyone else is like a team that could reasonably consider itself except for the Lakers and Heat like a title contender this year. So if we're taking that 10 game stretch I don't know if I necessarily want to go so far as contender or not in terms of winning the title because I think... Well, the Heat game is 11, technically. The, the so, two Dallas still, games yeah, are the 10. Yeah. Because I still think I'm going to judge this playoffs and who who are the real threats based on who's healthy. And so... But I do think what that 10-game what that stretch is going to determine mm-hmm. is whether or not they finish second in the West. Yeah. Yeah. Because here's, to your point, here's kind of They're the... two games up on Sacramento right now. Here's kind of the bigger issue that you see with them right now. As you've mentioned, the road record is now They're 11-17 and 17 on the road after that loss at Boston. Piling up. But the, the record that concerns me a little bit more... They're Only now, Golden State among playoff contenders, like play-in teams. I guess Utah's 11-18 and 18 on the road. Golden State is 7-21 and 21 on the road. Minnesota is 11 and 17 on the road and New Orleans is 10 and 18 on the road but um none of the top I guess Phoenix and Dallas are also bad on the road 12 and 18 12 and 18 um Sacramento's even, 15 and 7 15 and 12, 15 and 12 yeah. even Denver's only 14 and 14 so no one is particularly great on the road No you pointed that out before the Clippers are 17 and 15 on the road but what's now starting to be a concern to me is record above teams record against teams above 500 Mm-hmm. So they're 13 and 12. Interesting. And the reason why I say concerning, not in the sense of the sky is falling, but I have just felt like for the last month and a half, when you watch this team play, I don't think they're just an outright bad basketball team. And there's also other things that go into it. Health. Yeah. Well, and the schedule, whatnot. But the eye test right now, doesn't it suggest to you the Grizzlies are not a top-tier contender? 
And to me, 13 and 12 against the best teams, which is kind of the the indicator of what what you're going to see in the playoffs. That to me, that to me at this point in time reflects more of what I think about this team rather than the overall record. Yeah. No, and as we as we mentioned yesterday, you would I would expect Adams is going to be back early in the early after the All-Star break if you go by the timeline they gave us, 3 to 5 weeks. Is their first game back Thursday after? Um the schedule's right next to you. Mar- they, they play I think it's Thursday. Yes, Thursday. It's Thursday. Yeah, because it's the TNT game Thursday at Philly, um, and that would be. I, th- I believe he got hurt January twenty second. Correct. That sounds correct. Uh, against Phoenix, and I think we calculated yesterday. So that January twenty second is. We're three weeks into it now. When they come back next week, he'll be at like four and a half weeks. Um, so I would assume maybe he's not back right after the All Star break, but doesn't it feel like? Unless he's had a setback of some kind, he'll be back soon after the All-Star break, I would assume. Yeah, if it's not the first game. I mean, it's going to – I'll say this. If he doesn't return by the first full week after the All-Star break, I think you can start to have a little concern. Yeah. Yeah, I would I would expect when they get back, like he's going to be practicing in some form or fashion, at least in play groups or something like that when they get back from the All-Star he's not break. Been, he's not been cleared for five-on-five, five, correct? Not, I, not that I can tell so far. Like I don't think he. I the last time Jenkins was said anything specifically, he was saying he was doing like one on zero work, and then Kleiman was asked about it yes. late last week, and he said like he's got a little ways to go. Can't wait for him to run some plays on air. <laughs> um. All right. Let's 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 switch course and tell the truth about Memphis Tigers. Well, one more thing on the Grizzlies before we okay. go to the Tigers. How concerned are we about the wing depth? Oh. I mean, it's the, the obvious flaw in this team. I mean, like that's the every pl- the fact that they were trying to get every good wing that was on the market. It seemed like I think that might have been a tell. I think that was a tell. I mean, I I wrote a column about it at, over at commercialpill.com. Just like the way I did this after Kleiman spoke on Friday, like the way he talked about how he tried to make a deal here at the deadline. Like, I mean, it's kind of obvious. Like, it's also him admitting, like. You know, we're missing something because he was trying to go find it on the trade market. So, and so, and I think what you're hitting on is that's what it is. Like, ultimately, people complain about Dylan Brooks, but he's still the best wing on the team. He ha- he does at least one thing well. It's he's, not, he's, a, you're almost taking it out on Dylan sometimes. We are. When really it's the roster construction, ultimately, when it comes down to it, of why does he have such a prominent role? Because of how the roster is currently constructed. And to me, that's kind of the big picture. When I talk about, to the eye test, they look more like a 13-12 and type team against good teams. Mm -hmm. I think part of the problem is what we've seen the last month and a half or so is one of three situations, in my opinion. Number one, flawed roster. In the sense that Mm -hmm. if you're going to have a lead guard like Ja, you're going to have to surround him with shooting. They only have, at this point right now, they're missing a piece or two. That's what it comes down to. But I'm just like, even like, just think about like actual guys you trust shooting. All right. Well, Dez, duh. But like, Tyus is slumping. Mm -hmm. Dylan's slumping. Right now, like, for instance, Tyus is a perfect example. Right now, Yes, he's the backup point guard, and, and and he helps in that way. But for him to truly be like an impact player in the playoffs, he has to be a knockdown shooter beside John Morant. He has to for, be what he we was. We saw the, it in the Minnesota, Minnesota series. Yeah, yeah. That is that is the Tyus Jones they need in the playoffs. And for a while there, for like, I think it was December, he did look like that guy. But January, when the Grizzlies have not been good, he hasn't looked like that guy. Um, and but I I actually you know I do feel like I have some a reasonable amount of confidence in him going into the playoffs because so, he did it last year. So that would get me to situation number two. So if situation number one is just flawed roster, mm-hmm. which I do think is a possibility. But ultimately, he's not a perfect correct person for that role. Correct, he just isn't. But you're also asking to be your seventh or eighth guy. Yeah. So there's so option number two mm-hmm. in the Tyus vein, hopefully in the Dylan vein. 
They're just in a lull. And they're in like a stretch of bad basketball. Yeah. Season's been taking its No, they toll. need the all-star break. And and they this just is coming in a deep, pretty good time. They just need some time off, which I think is an entirely reasonable mm-hmm. possibility. The third scenario, though, that I see as a possibility is as you've mentioned that Taylor has said post games, well, teams are playing us differently. Playing us differently. Well, the question that I have is. Is this a situation where teams have now gotten the scouting reports out, they know how to defend you, and the only answer is make more shots, but you don't have shooters? Which I guess could also say, you could somewhat say that's related to number one, to option number one. But my my the reason why I separate three from one is the the accepting the possibility that there's a response or an adjustment that you can make schematically that would combat the way teams are defending you. And maybe it's just as simple yeah. as get Steven Adams back. Yeah, I don't know. I, I I have my doubts that there's something like schematically they're going to be able to. Like, to me, where improvement's going to come for this team over the last stretch is rotationally, both in terms of, like, Taylor Jenkins kind of getting more consistent with what he's doing from a rotation basis, and then also in how they incorporate Luke Kennard into the rotation. Like, I can see them getting, you know, marginally better that way, for instance. And then, you know, the reality is they need, you know, they don't have enough shooters where, like, a guy like Tyus Jones can be missing. Like, if they can get their guys going at the right time, there's a scenario where they do have enough shooting on the roster. The problem is they've left themselves not a lot of margin for error because they're, you know, like, look at that Boston team they played the other day. Even with that missing two guys, think about how many guys they had on the court who could all hit threes. Like, I mean, they even got, they got production out of Mascala, who they just traded yeah, for. Yeah, like, they have so, they had so many more options who can hit threes. The Grizzlies have, like, what, Bain, Tyus, Jaron, Ja to a certain extent. Well, theoretically, it was supposed to be Conchar because, like, we yeah. take a look at last year where Conchar was hitting open threes at a very Canard, high Yeah. Canard, and that's it. You know, that's it. I mean, I think a bigger issue, though— And only two of those guys can be on the court at once. Well, I think the bigger issue, though, is— In most like cases. You can afford Dylan to be in a slump if Tyus is hitting shots. Mm-hmm. But it's like you're now getting into these situations where they're both slumping at the same time. Oh, and I just don't—I don't know. I don't know if I can trust Dylan as a shooter— he, I think he's been. I think what he has proven at this point in his career is that he is an incredibly streaky shooter. Yeah. Um, I don't know. Just it's, like if you look at it, just go like look at his splits throughout his years. It's never. Yeah. No, he goes like. Hopefully they can get. Like I said, it's just timing up the heater. There is a scenario where these shooters get on a roll for a couple months, and it all looks a lot different than what kind of the feeling you have right now, which is. Man, they could really, you know, even though they added Kennard, it like feels like they didn't really, to your point with the wing, like they didn't really get, you know, sort of systemically what they actually really need. You don't go to the car lot to get a Luke Kennard. You wind up with a Luke (laughs) Kennard. And I mean, to me, I guess that's kind of the other question, which is, should it be held against the front office if you sit there and you admit that you needed help and you couldn't get it? To me, it's if we go into next season and the situation is hasn't been improved. That's how I look at it. Because I, I look at, you know, like the deadline didn't work out ultimately. But it didn't work out for, like, the guys you really wanted, no one else got either. Mikel Bridges is not on someone else, and he's and OG's still in Toronto. And as we said, maybe he, the only trade where I, you could sort of go based on the reporting and based on just... What you know, like the Durant trade, you could, you know, you could go, man, I wish the Grizzlies had made that trade, even though it wasn't realistic. He didn't want to come to Memphis. Yeah, but it I, does appear via, via reporting that they, at some point along the line, put in an offer for Kevin Durant. I'm not going to hold that against them. I no, don't think, I don't think I. that was a fair fight. No, that was a predetermined outcome. But if we come out of next offseason and we're going, you know, if like next season, they go into the year and they're playing, and you go, man, they still haven't figured out this wing thing. And like that's kind of isn't that kind of what happened with the grit and grind teams at times? You went, man, like you traded Rudy Gay, like they were always missed. They were always like a shooter or two short. That is true, 
But also, I think the other problem with the grit and grind era is you kind of backdoored your way into this unique roster. Yeah. And, yes, if they could have gotten a shooter, that probably makes them a different team. But it's like the way that they kind of fell into getting Zebo, drafting Hashim Thabit, and then trying to take credit for Mark Gasol. Well, if you believed in Mark Gasol, you wouldn't have drafted Hashim Thabit. Mm-hmm. You had the weird Kyle Lowry and Mike Conley. Then you mm-hmm. don't let Mike play home games. And, like, I think what my argument would be more is the flaw of the grit and grind teams is they had pieces that they could have turned in, either turned into help and they just kind of let it go. And then, like, they, they made it was, it was poor management more than, than always yeah. coming up a player short. Well, it's, it's, it it is a critical time for this Memphis front office. You know, like obviously they can't do anything now. The trade deadline's passed, but like it does feel like, you know, what happens in these playoffs is going to dictate some pretty big decisions potentially this offseason. Cuz it feels like feels like we're reaching that moment of like now's the time. Like, you know, like now we got to, you know, we we have these assets that are coming up, you know, ultimately that Golden State pick goes away next offseason. You know, so you basically before that Golden State pick isn't your, you know, is done. You basically have an off season and another trade deadline to really make a move, using it potentially. Yeah, and so and that's your probably. I mean, like what we well, you I mean, know you have the Dylan Brooks question this off season, but I yes. think those are all interconnected. No, it is. It's all. That's why I think it, we were reaching this off season is going to be one of those moments for this team that you look back on what decision they decide to make with that wing position will probably. You know, determine whether they can get over the top. In my mind, I think it's fair. Um, all right, let's let's tell the truth. That's a truth. That's a real truth. Then mm-hmm. this sucker. Um, let's uh, let's talk Tigers real quick. All right, here's my truth. They play Thursday against UCF, then Sunday at Houston. So the first Houston game is five days away. And here's my and we have, we've got new bracketology. Joey Lenardi back on board with the Tigers. He's got him as. One of his last four buys, not even in Dayton anymore. Correct. with Joey Brackets, and then you know guys shout like shouts to Carolina, Kentucky. Yeah, a lot of bubble teams losing. Yet. Well, and along those lines, mm-hmm. all these teams losing on the bubble. I'm going to go back to this, and I'm just going to go out and declare it. We can, we can let's let's uh, tag this date, uh, Valentine's Day at 2:30 p.m. We can go back to this on the Monday after Selection Sunday if we need to. I'm saying this right now. The Tigers will make the NCAA tournament if they just beat everyone besides Houston left on their schedule. Yeah, but I've been here. Yeah, this is this is where I've been. And but I'm 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 well, I'm this, guaranteeing it, Jeffrey, right here today. And if you need further confirmation, the biggest reason why I felt this way about this team is this team is consistent. Like, do I think they have a ceiling? Mm-hmm. Yeah. At the same time. If they keep they can sh- score. if they keep shooting the basketball at the rate that they are, I, their ceiling's changing a little bit. I thought their ceiling coming into the season was a first weekend team, but if they keep shooting it like that, well, now all of a sudden I'm starting to think otherwise. They they I, I they have like one of the best offenses Memphis has had in a long time. But to me, the, by the numbers, the biggest thing about them is when you go through their losses this season. St. Louis on the road, nut nuts environment like. That, that was a respectable loss. Like, is St. Louis ended up being, like, a great team? No. But in context, that loss was not mm-hmm. – it wasn't an unforgivable loss. Is that mm-hmm. fair to say? I mean, it's it's a quad two loss. It's okay. not a quad three loss. It's a quad two loss. Seton Hall, for me, is the classic – you're probably going to have one of these a year. It's a fluky loss, but you got beat. And you, you kept them in it. It's a game you should have won, but that is just one of those the, games. The real problem with it is that it made you play Nebraska and Stanford, Correct. who both kind of stink, whereas you would have gotten a win over Seton Hall and then a game against an Oklahoma team that's like, you know, would have been a win that would have been pretty good for your profile. Alabama, no shame in that loss. No, number one team in the country. And then Tulane's a bad matchup. Yeah. No, it's... it's. And then the UCF game was on the road in double overtime. One well, now, you know, A and M is way high up in the net now. Like that, the A and M game, A and M is like thirty-five in the net. They're ahead of Auburn now. It's now their best win of the year according to the net. And if A and M moves up into the top thirty of the net, 
it'll become a quad one win for Memphis. Um, and then the Cincinnati win is a quad one win right now. The, the, the profile, if you end it with just one quad three loss, which is what would happen, and you'd finish, I think, above five. If you go by right now, you would finish above 500 in quad one, quad two games. If you and especially if the A and M game became a quad one game, I guess that would stay the it, same. It, it, it wouldn't if matter you're, if you're combining the two. But yes, you'd finish. I think because you'd have a win over Cincinnati at home that counts as a quad two game, a win over uh, at Wichita State that I think is a quad two game, um, and then a win. I think the, this game against UCF is a quad two game. So you'd have three more quad two wins, two quad one losses. Say if you lost to Houston. Would UCF at home be quad two? I think so. I think the they're, only they're at fifty six right now. So yeah, you're I right. think the only quad three game left, the SMU game, even though it's on the road, is a quad three yeah. game. That's a you know, but like ultimately, if you won those three and lost the two to Houston, you'd still your profile would be above five hundred in quad one, quad two games with one quad three loss. I, they're in the tournament with that resume. I really feel that way. The biggest reason why I felt this way, and the reason why I mention all of that, if you look at the teams that are around them, that they're going to be compared to, these teams have been remarkably inconsistent, and they have been having these bad-type losses. I think the SEC games they played against A&M, Auburn, and Bama, the fact that they went 2-1 and one in those games, and the one was like really close loss on the road to a one seed in the NCAA tournament, I think someone's going to, like, as long as you don't, if you have one quad three loss, someone's going to look at that and go, this is a tournament team. And that's what it is. That, like, if they if they can go out, I know it would be eight losses if they lost the two to Houston. But I, I'm sorry, I'd, I'd view it as a tournament team, given what they've accomplished, even without Houston wins. I mean, to me, all it is is, like, look at, look at what's around them. Auburn's kind of in a free fall. And you have a head-to-head win. Mm-hmm. I find that hard to believe that that's not going to be somewhat considered, especially considered it was in Atlanta. It wasn't mm-hmm. like you got them at home. Yeah, it, they've lost, what, five of six now, I think? Yes. Auburn. Um, Carolina has been in a free fall. Yeah. Clemson is exactly what we thought kind of come, like when we started talking about like they are a quintessential bubble team. Who? Clemson. Oh, yeah. Like, yeah. you know what I mean? You'll see them and they'll, like, they're just, they're wilding against the team. Kentucky has been the same thing. Like, Wisconsin's had a bad loss over the weekend. Like, in the end, I felt like their path is just don't have bad losses. And if you don't have bad losses, you don't have the resume blemishes, you're going to be fine. And I think that we've seen as we've gotten closer to March, that's the path for them. And if you can grab one of those, if you can grab one of the the Houston games, even better. It just solidifies it. And maybe, maybe one of those wins can boost you up from an 11 to a 10 or from a, a 10 to an – I would rather stay at a 10 personally. I would rather be a 10 seed than a 9 or an 8, but maybe one of those wins bumps you up. Yeah. I think they, I, I think they're going to end up as like an 8-9 game again. Unfortunately. I'm, I'm feeling 10. I don't, think, I don't think they're going to have the big – win. The, the, in the end, they if got – they don't have the big win, yeah. they can't get to that 8-9 yeah. line. I, I think the two Houston wins got them to the 8-9 the game last year. That's a good point. That's a good point. Um, it'll be uh, be interesting to watch. Thursday College against, basketball starts now. Now? Yeah. In your mind? No, come on. I've been – but I do think it's going to start I, to heat up now. I have watched as much college basketball, if not more, than you have. Yeah. But it's just now was when I start, like, really focusing because yeah. I don't have anything else. Yeah, football's over. It's college basketball. Don't remind season. me. And it's All Star break too. This weekend's gonna be fun. That Sunday game at Houston's gonna be a, oh, a, yeah, a yeah, fun yeah. one. No, 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 I thought you meant I. You gotta get through UCF. The, the I thought U, you were like including. In, I thought you were including All Star weekend in, oh. in, in in your. No, 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 no. Weekend, like yeah, it's All Star weekend, no. so we can focus on college Correct. basketball. Correct. No, um, I I agree. Fun college basketball weekend. And, um, you know, ultimately the point I'm trying to make here is. We can look ahead to that Houston game. The more important game to win is the UCF game this week. Yes, without a doubt, it's the UC. It's the Thursday game against the get back, get right game against UCF is more important than Houston and for Wichita Memphis. State on the road next week. Yes, exactly. All right, when we come back. Tim Murray from Vison's going to join us. We'll talk to him about some college hoops. Get his thoughts on the Super Bowl and the NFL post Super Bowl. 
All that and more coming up on the Giannato and Jeffrey Show on 92.9 FM. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road, the steeper the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones so we'll never lose touch with civilization and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? and conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. I'm ESPN. Tim Murray is the host of VSIN Live weeknights from 5 until 8 central. He's on Twitter at 1TimMurray. Tim, what is more depressing? Watching your alma mater... Offense or your your offensive coordinator who is an alum of the school going to Alabama or watching your offensive coordinator go to the Baltimore Ravens and you promote Mike Bobo from analyst to offensive coordinator. <laughs> also an alum. Uh, can I go option C, uh, which is a, uh, the team that you pull for that has told you, oh, money's never an issue. Mm-hmm. We don't need to go to a conference. Oh, wait, that's his buyout? No, no, we're good. We're not going to pay that. That would be, by the way, for those who were wondering, uh, the Notre Dame disgruntled fan, me, uh, very fired up about the situation that uh, has unfolded publicly and makes Notre Dame look like, I mean, let's be honest, you know, a, a team that, a program that isn't serious about winning a national championship. And I, I'm sure there's so many grins on faces. Good. Enjoy it. You know, pile on. I am, I'm, it's, it's an embarrassment and it has nothing to do with who they tried to get and if he's the savior, right? And that, sure. that's, that's the point that I made. So for those who missed it, Notre Dame, as you alluded to, right, lost their offensive coordinator to Alabama. Uh, Big Nick came up with his Alabama plane and said, Hey, Tommy Reese, why don't you hop on this jet and you ain't coming back? And that's exactly what happened. I I get it, right? I would leave for, even if it is my alma mater. But then Notre Dame, who's supposed to, you know, money's never an issue, right? Goes and woos Andy Ludwig, who's the offensive coordinator for Utah, brings him to campus. He's shown on the jumbotron at the hockey game, shown on NBC, you know, Peacock, whatever broadcast they're putting that on. They offer him reportedly, and. The buyout is the the stumbling block, so it's uh, it's a really bad look for uh, for Notre Dame. And if they want to be serious about winning national championships, here's my question: Right, you guys are down there in Memphis. If Tennessee or Georgia or Alabama or who uh, LSU, all right, if they wanted someone, if they wanted a coordinator. Do you think they bat an eye about what the buyout is? Um, Hell no. Hell no. I think the answer to that is no. I will say, though, amongst the 
the coaching carousel just kind of runs together now. Like the, the college sports calendar is just screwed up in general. With the exception of Clemson going to get uh, Garrett, Riley. Garrett Riley, didn't all kind of the coordinator hires feel like the pro- high-profile Didn't they all feel underwhelming? Yeah, yeah. I think Miami's today with uh, they get the Houston offensive coordinator. I, yeah, I agree. And, and, and once again, for me as, as a disgruntled, unhappy Notre Dame fan, which I'm sure, once again, I'll just reiterate, I'm sure makes tons of people happy and, and good. I'm happy that for, your, for my sadness. And I don't know if... Look, if Andy Ludwig, who I don't know how many people know the name Andy Ludwig. So he coached at Vanderbilt. So there, there's some people familiar yeah. with him. Yeah, he was at Vanderbilt. And, he, for and he, yeah. you know, he did really, you know, he's done two stops at Utah, Fresno State. He's been all over the place. Cal. Um, you know, when it comes to, though, this situation, though, it's it's just the fact that if you're – if you are a year removed from losing your head coach, the winningest coach in, in program history to LSU because he thinks he can win a national championship there, that's a pretty big slap in the face, right? And now a year after, your defensive-minded head coach says, that's the offensive coordinator I want, and you say, nah, we can't get him. Well, to that, me, the- that, that's, pretty, that's a pretty well, big see, I think I think the bigger issue is not even necessarily, oh, that you couldn't get it, because Saban tried to go to Washington and get their offensive coordinator. But at least he said no, right? I would, feel, I would feel much better today if Andy Ludwig said, I don't want to go, I have too many roots here, uh, you know, our quarterback's coming back, I'm just, I'm, I'm happy at my age and my career. Uh, apparently he, was, he said yes. I mean, to me, that's the bigger deal. Like, when Saban got on the plane to South Bend, he knew what the answer was. The, to me, the issue is why are you bringing in? Right. Why are you bringing him in and showing him around, putting him on the jumbotron if that thing's not done? And here's the thing too: Utah's a public university. You know what the buyout is. It's it's out there. So for them to pretend like they were, whoa, what's this two point eight million dollars? That's on you, man. That's on you as a search. Whether it is whether it is Marcus Freeman or higher up. That's that's the embarrassing part now, and now they're sitting there with their tail between the legs. Here's the thing, right, is that I think with everything that's coming back and the likelihood of, I mean, God forbid Sam Hartman leaves, but um, I, I think Notre Dame's going to be really good next year. Schedule's hard, right? They have Clemson on the road, mm-hmm. USC at home, uh, Ohio State at home, but I think Bill Conley put out his, you know, way too early, you know, uh, what is he? Yeah, it's S and P plus. S P plus. And I think they yeah. were like a touchdown favorite against everyone else. They're, they got they bring back a lot. They have two All Americans on the offensive line. Great backfield. Whatever. They're probably going to be good. But I think the statement that it sends to the fan base, like, yeah, we want to win, but I don't know. I mean, not as much as Alabama. Exactly. You know, <laughs> and that's the thing. You can't sit there and say we are all about because when Brian Kelly left, the whole thing was. You know, bleep Brian Kelly, we're going to win a championship here. You know, that's what we're going to do. We're going to be elite recruiting with Marcus Freeman and no, no, you know, we'll, we'll spend what's needed. And then within a, you know, w- like a little over a year later, they're like, yeah, I don't know, four million bucks. And here's the thing, too. They're saving on their head coach because Brian Kelly made more than Marcus Freeman. It's not disclosed, but. It, it, it's just come on, com- we, I mean, yeah, we come on, come on. I mean, he's the winningest coach in school history. Led the team to a national championship appearance and two playoffs. He's making more money than Marcus Freeman. Whatever the buyout was for Tommy Reese, I don't think it was two point eight million, but they just got that. So it's like, what, what are we doing here? And and here's the thing too. I had someone who is, uh, I wouldn't say piped in with. The, he's just a big fan. I think he went to Notre Dame, and he texted me and was like, "Man, you're spot on with what you said on Twitter." He goes, "You don't think they could have reached out to a couple big donors and paid that?" In a blink? Of course. Yeah. Of course they could have. It's almost like, oh, it's the principal. Whoa. $4 million if you want your O-line coach and your offensive course. Like, I don't know, man. That's what uh, that's what your head coach wanted. That's what the market said, too. Yeah. It's so. interesting, those SP Plus rankings, Georgia 1, Ohio State 2, Gotta love Michigan, the in the sport. Michigan 3, Alabama 4, Penn State 5, Tennessee Ooh. 6, LSU 7, Oregon 8. Texas 9, USC 10. Uh, that's your top 10 in the preseason SP Plus rankings. Um, Memphis, in case you were curious, 61. One spot below UTSA 
and six spots. Baby, six Frank spot- Harris back for his twenty seventh season. Six spots below SMU. Who is he going to be older than Stetson was this year? Frank Harris. I swear to God, I covered it's his, his seventh rec- season. I swear, I think I covered his recruitment, and that was like back in sixteen. Well, you know, Todd Munkin's going to have a quarterback who's younger than Stetson Bennett next year, right? No, right. Is, yeah, is I, I, Bennett Lam- older than Lamar. I'm Jackson? pretty sure Bennett's older than Lamar. <laughs> By the way, they've got Memphis pegged fourth in the AAC. Tulane is at 37 and appears to be the top-ranked AAC team in the new-look AAC. By the way, Tulane lost another coach today. Yeah, to Miami. Yeah, so it's so like, who, who's coaching? They've lost, they've lost what? They lost their D coordinator. They lost and then, Sharp. And then God, the, that guy's a good football player. Then the replacement D coordinator left. It's what uh, happened at Memphis, too. When they, yeah, every, it, it's absolutely. what happens to every team that has a good year in the AAC. And 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 what the you know what makes me and I'm I, I'm curious if you guys have discussed this what makes me more nervous like now that the AAC is is losing UCF Houston we call it uh, we call it Mark dubbed it Conference CUS or Conference CUSAAC yeah <laughs> I mean, that's what it is yeah I mean it's you could you could you could put the rose color tint on it and be like well it's easier now to make a group uh, a power uh, a BCS bowl or whatever you know uh the playoff. Six bowl. the playoff, the playoff, the playoff, yeah, yeah, the playoff, playoff. expansion. Listen, yeah, we we like Mike Oresco, the commissioner, but you got to tell you what, you need a guy to give you a spin zone. Yeah, Tim, I don't know if you're aware of this, but no football team has captured the Hispanic audience in San Antonio like UTSA has. Yep, <laughs> he ate, and that he was, was on the record. By the way, awesome at a game this year to me. He was, he was mentioning the positive the of all the additions. Minds, yes. He didn't have anything nice. This was before Biff Pogey got hired. He had nothing nice to say about Charlotte. But the other five, he could sp- he could give you a nice spin zone. I will say, I'll tell you what, it, Biff, it is pretty hey, impressive what what UTSA draws on a on a regular basis. There, Biff would not have let that buyout keep him from hiring a coordinator. <laughs> yeah, the Charlotte coach, he spends his own money. Um, Imagine if Charlotte dropped four million dollars, so happy to get an offensive coordinator and an O line coach. Oh, that'd be good. I think stuff. he's gonna, I think that's the player procurement fund. <laughs> um, oh, but yeah, to the second part of your question, yeah the the Mike Bobo uh, instantaneous mm. hiring that was interesting. I was like, whoa. So okay, doesn't so, it feel like it's just setting up for this year? Like Mike Bobo, they're gonna be if they don't win a national championship, it's gonna get blamed on Mike Bobo. Yeah. So the thing that was interesting about Bobo. Because he was an analyst this past year. Well, right? so what happened was it was reported that he wasn't was go- he Rick's offense. Didn't he? Wasn't he at so, Georgia yeah. a and long then, time ago? Yeah. And, and then he went Georgia, to Colorado State. Georgia fans hated him. Remember when the, he got when he was announced as Mississippi State's hire? If I recall correctly, Mississippi State fans yep. were like, "What? Yes, no, uh, we don't want this guy." So I think now when you connect the dots, he didn't. It wasn't that he. I think in the end, he didn't take the Mississippi State job because. They knew that Munkin was probably going back to the NFL, and Bobo, they whatever they they give Bobo the analyst title until they finish recruiting and whatnot, and then Bobo just takes over. But this is kind of what Kirby Smart wants, man. Hey, you can't really blame him at this it, point. It's it's hard to knock Kirby Smart right yeah. now. He he could hire anybody. He could have hired be like, yeah, yeah but- we're gonna hire Tim Murray from Veasan to be our offensive coordinator. <laughs> oh, like, I I don't I, know. He just won two national championships, man. Whatever you want, well, dude. If he would just get me on the sticks and watch how I call a game on Madden, I think he'd be <laughs> impressed too. But the the concern though that I've always had with Kirby is it's like he wants to go back to two thousand and eight, and I just wonder like in the end, I think what what led to Clemson kind of falling back is kind of believing your own BS and, mm-hmm. and stop. Like this, this feels like a the, this feels like we're promoting from within and hiring and you know just another Clemson offensive coordinator. Like that's this, what it feels like. This does feel Clemson ish. However, the difference is Georgia just continues to stockpile. Yeah, they have eight five, eight, yeah. eight blue chip guys every year. Eight five stars. I mean, it's it's you know. By the way, I I had to laugh. Who was it? Was it Kelsey who said nobody believed in yes, us? Yes, we were trying to. Direct- I was like, oh, it's the Georgia thing yes. all over again. Kirby. Yeah. Although we, Mark gives Kelsey credit because he played it up the whole week. Yeah. He played it up. Kirby just dropped that one on us that night. Well, yeah. the like, players, were like, Wait, what? <laughs> the players said, well, you know, there are people picking us to be seven and five. I'm like, find me one. Yes. <laughs> find me uh, outside of, you know, you know, at. Three seven four three two six nine one. You know, 
Bama fan on Twitter. So, Kirby, said, so Kirby's yeah. Kirby's burner. Yeah, exactly. I mean, <laughs> yeah, he probably Kirby Smart probably made an egg avatar Twitter yes. and posted it in a meeting. It was like, see, this guy thinks you guys suck. Seven and five. Well, here's I, I do I do love what Patrick Mahomes has been an underdog ten times in five years. Ten times in five years. And have, we, I, have we done? Have we compared that to a Brady stretch? Like that—that's Brady stretch. And yet, and by and by the way, he's now eight one and one ATS as an underdog with because uh, they closed as a slight underdog in the Super Bowl. And and that's why his offensive coordinator is having to maybe interview for the Washington Commanders OC job, Eric whereas the, the e- both Eagles coordinators are now head coaches in the NFL. Yeah, <laughs> that's kind of wild. It, it is. It, it really is. Like, when you really sit back and think about it, like, I know there's, like, it's just wild that both Eagles coordinators just got hired today for head coaching jobs, like, immediately after the Super Bowl. Jim Ursay loves him some Philadelphia yeah, OCs. Yeah, what is... And then... He loves him some Philadelphia OCs. And then Kansas City, I mean, their defensive coordinator, you know, already got a head coaching job and didn't succeed in it. And has not been given a second chance. I love Spags. Yeah, Spagnola. Spags, I think, recognizes. Great. I'm just going to be a DC. Chill and, out. Then, and then literally, Biennemi is having, like, might leave Kansas City because no one's giving him any credit for what Kansas City does, whether it's because of Andy Reid or because of Patrick I Mahomes. I don't wish Washington on Eric Biennemi. That's I know. just that's t- cruel. It's got to be a money move. There's no. No, well, he. Had- doesn't call the plays, right? So the, he wants. Does he? They, they always yeah. insist he does. But he but, wants like full autonomy on the offense, yeah. which I think he would get in Washington, which I imagine is the appeal. But how? I will can say anyone, on, sun, on Sunday night, it looked like it looked like uh, Andy was calling plays again. Mm. Like it, when you look to the sidelines and you could see like uh, they always said like Andy would radio to B enemy and then B enemy would radio in. It looked like Andy was way more active on the sideline than he had. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s. And each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto-pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto-pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling accounts to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. See t-mobile.com. Uh, 